Welcome to the Food for Thought Lunch Break with Steve Bookbinder podcast, the show that gives you things to think about when you're trying to make more sales without all the seriousness of conventional sales talks. Enjoy and learn as he makes fun of sales training, salespeople, and sales trainers, including himself, all while giving you battle-tested strategies that work. Now, here's your host, Steve Bookbinder. Hi, everybody. This is Steve Bookbinder, your sales coach. Welcome to Saturdays with Steve. This show is for business owners and sales leaders who are launching a new product or service. And today's topic is how to sell like a sales department. And I'll tell you that just from a very, very, very high level, that was my goal when I started my own company, which was how do I do more than just get the kind of sales that a salesperson could get? And how do I leverage all of those kinds of things? So I'm going to break that all down for you. So let's say you have no customers yet. So I'm describing somebody in the audience might be saying, I wonder if this show is for me. If you have no customers, because you're thinking of the business, the, the only thing you've got is the idea of a new business, or, or you are now going to go to market and your company exists, you do have products which exist, or you've been trying to make them exist, or you've begun to start to market, but now you have a new and an unproven or an untested product or offering or solution, or, or very proven. Oh, yes, indeed. But not in this territory, in another territory, possibly in another country. So now you are, for the first time now, venturing into the unknown with a lot of optimism anchored in knowing you have a great idea and you, that is your company, is a great company or will be a great company as soon as someone will give me us a chance. So if that's you, this show is for you. If you could begin with a clean slate, and you'd like to begin with a clean slate, and this is a good time to begin with a clean slate at the top of the year, this is what you want to do to grow sales from a sale here and there, which a lot of companies in the beginning have, to big sales, lead flow, deal flow, and eventually forecasting accuracy going to give you 10 things to do, okay? Some of them are high level and some of them a little bit more specific. But let's start right here. One, begin high level with a very long-term mindset. So you always have to say to yourself, what will you wish a year from now you started doing today? And so I have found over the uh, course of the many years I've been in business that there were times that the business was in trouble indeed. And I was wondering how we were going to get through the next quarter. But even in those darkest days, I never stopped doing something each week towards a long-term benefit. So I'll give you an example of that. If you are marketing to your social network, which is a great thing, then the size of your social network, both in terms of the total number of connections and the number of them who connect and engage with you when you um, post things, uh, the two together are very important. So you need to always be growing both of those things. Well, if you're not working toward that goal, doing something, 
at least once a week. You're not putting some effort, some of your time against that goal. Then you're not putting enough time against that goal. Now, it will it bother you and, and will you notice it? And will you be able to track it? And will it come back to haunt you day one, week one, week two, month one, quarter one? No, no, no. You know when it'll come back to haunt you? Next year when you don't have an inbound sale that might have otherwise come through that channel. So what you're always thinking about is next year, I'm going to need more sales. And right now I'm going to try to make as many sales as I can. And some of those sales are going to be easier to get. And some of those sales are going to be hard to get. And you talk to any salesperson who sold any number of sales, there'll always be that one really hard to get sale with a really hard to get sales story. It sounds like a mission impossible movie. Now, here's the thing. It's great that you close that great skills and a great accomplishment and kudos to you. Here's the problem. Next year, when you need more sales, you can't depend upon two of those happening and then the following year, three of those happening, etc. And so actually you need the opposite. You need more easy sales next year in order for you to scale that. So what could you do now? And it usually takes the form of who can you start to build a relationship with? What can you do now that'll pay off then? So think in terms of that all the time. Second, When you're putting together your time management, you need to think in terms of applying some time toward social media, phone call prospecting, networking, and emailing. And you need to be thinking about two kinds of things. One thing is sales cycle, and the other is what I'll call repeatable. So let's talk about sales cycle first. There are sales that will require, for one reason or another, at least six months to close from the first meeting. If that's the case, then you need to allow time to get that first meeting and then six months to close. Let's call that seven months. Okay. Which means that if you start today and you take the attitude that I'm going to get my feet wet, learn, think about things, a plot, and not take any action today, versus I'm going to take some kind of an email action today. And you could run like two parallel universes to see how your life would track in both scenarios. What you'd see is this. The, if, it, if it takes you, let's say, six months to close a sale for one reason or another, starting from the first meeting to the close on average, let's say. And then further, it takes one month to go from identifying the lead to actually getting an appointment to have that first meeting because you've got to network with the person or you've got to email prospect or whatever you've got to do to, re- to get that to happen. So now that's, that's seven months. Well, if you had these parallel tracks going, you could see that in one scenario, if you took the action of make the first email attempt today on my first day of the job to that person, I could possibly get a sale in seven months from now. But if I do not take that action today, then given the probable length of time that each of these things takes, seven months from now, I will not get a sale because there's nothing I'm going to be able to do to shorten the sales cycle just because I fail to start early enough. Well, of course, that often happens in your first day, first week. So to whatever degree we can think about minimizing inaction during the first week, the better off we are. On the other hand, of course, we have to uh, think about, do we know what our messaging is yet? So we have to get quick at getting uh, things out because the sales cycle is long. If we are eventually going to close sales, we have to initially get them started. And the first few sales may have an even longer sales cycle than later sales. But the other thing is this. Let's say we actually do 
use our uh, best emails and our best phone calls and our best network, and we do produce some sales. Now the question is going to become, if in fact, thinking long-term, that we are successful in getting enough sales to be in business a year from now, what then will be the repeatable way we'll get sales? So ideally, I'm not only just finding any old way to get sales, but I'm finding a way that if things go well, I'd be able to scale those parts of my operation. So if I'm doing certain things to get sales, for example, certain kinds of networking that I and I alone could do, well, if I ever was trying to scale sales, the only way to do that would be for me to do even more of that kind of networking, which may or may not work, and it probably wouldn't. So if I, if I had more resources, if I had more time, if I had more people working on this, as I try to scale it, what's the scalable things? So the scalable things become um, a hard look at what's repeatable. Number three, you must be open to having a very busy schedule. Now, I was just making fun of networking. I was just making fun of it in that this. I hear all the time about people who are just killing themselves. They don't like the prospect, don't like to pick up the phone, don't feel good about that. I don't blame you. Now, we'll talk about what you can do to sound less annoying or less whatever it is you don't want to sound like that we could make that work for you. But uh, and, and that's my little commercial to um, get you to tune in the next time. And I promise you, I'm going to give you some things that will absolutely change the way you think about phone calls and also change the kind of reception, the kind of uh, greeting that you get on the other end. So I'm going to show you all that. But before we get there, let's just understand from a higher level, you've got to be good with having a very, very busy schedule. Why? Well, in part, because in order for you to find what works, you're going to have to do a lot of things at once. And no one thing will work. It's the combination of things. It's the combination of the email and the phone call and to the degree you do any kind of paid advertising and social and uh, networking. It's the combination of everything. And it's not only the combination of who you talk to, but it's the echo selling. It's them, the people that you talk to or engage with or, or repost to who now see your content and share that with somebody else in a way that you'd never see that you, the user, uh, you, the starter of all this, you never see that. So all of a sudden there's like a ripple effect of communication. And because of all of that, in some completely unexplainable way, you get a sale eight months from now. So uh, it's very hard to know what's going to work. But you do know that uh, advertising is a synergistic or art and science, meaning that it's the combination of things together that get the word out there and get uh, customers to take action. So with all that, you need to allow enough time for that. So I mention all this because most people look at every single thing from an ROI and they go, well, social, gee, does that make any sense to do? I mean, really, you know what I should be doing? Picking up the phone and calling people. Yeah, you should be doing that. Picking up the phone and calling. Should I do that eight hours a day? Well, you know, what would make that work just a little bit better if you were also social selling? So th- th- that's why you, you can't do one or the other. You've got to do both and you've got to balance how much time that you spend doing it. And, and, and so that's why uh, we, we talked uh, about time management before. But as you're uh, thinking about that, I don't want you to not do networking, but figure out how to do it in a way that you could do all the other things you've got to do, all the higher probability things you've got to do. Certainly networking is a good long-term benefit kind of thing. But if you're going to do networking, even if you, whether you hate it or you love it, you can't stop yourself from doing it. You can't, if you're going to do it at all, do it right. And so, and to do it right, what you've got to do is give yourself a couple of specific goals. For example, I want to meet one new person. I want to meet two new people. 
I want to get three interactions. I want to do an introduction. And one more thing about having a very busy schedule is this. I, I like taking the perspective of the power of negative thinking. Obviously, the power of positive thinking has been well documented, but nobody really appreciates the power of negative thinking, which is this, putting yourself deep into the future, like a year from now. Imagine that it's like a year and a day from now. And so you're looking back on the last year, which was a day ago, it ended a day ago, and you're putting yourself in that perspective, and you're looking back, and I want you to imagine that you failed because when you fail versus when you succeed, you look at things very differently. When you succeed, you go, look at look what I did. Oh, like, I must be a genius. And you don't question anything. You don't analyze it. But you surely do when things fail. So for that reason, I like to put myself in that position and pretend I failed. Because at that moment, you know what I'll do? I'll go, oh, you know what I should have done? You know what I should have spent my time doing? But of course, every single day, you had a reason for doing whatever it is you did do. And then looking back on it, you, you learn eventually what worked, what didn't work, what might have paid off better or worse than you thought. And you learn all these various lessons. And probably the answer is you had to do both of them. And so have a very busy schedule. Look at it from both looking forward and negatively looking backward. And you'll think of everything you need to fit in. And for that reason, learn to feel good about having a busy schedule. Four. Quality versus quantity is the new efficient versus effective. And let me tell you what I mean by that. It's very efficient, especially with the kind of technology that most of us have, to do mail merges, to send mass emails. But the more similar the emails are to the bigger the group, the fewer the templates, the bigger the group, the less customization per lead, the more you could send to everybody basically the same thing, and you could do it just by pressing buttons, and it doesn't really take any more time to send out 10 things than 20, than 100, than 1,000. When that's the case, we tend to send out more and more and more because it's so hard to stop ourselves from thinking that more is always better, and if you throw enough stuff against the wall, my goodness, something ought to stick. Isn't that the way it's supposed to work? But, then, you know, maybe it did work like that. Maybe in the old days when all you had was actual snail mail and you sent out 10,000 pieces of mail, you could predictably get a 1% to 2% rate of return. However, that is not the case with email. You could send out 10,000 emails and get a zero response, and there's 20 different reasons why that might happen. And so for that reason, we know that if you sent out one really good email, you would have gotten a response. So you've got to find the right balance with that. And the other thing is, uh, email done right isn't just, I sent out a great email once. Again, you're trying to come up with a repeatable formula. So what works over time? You know, everything once in a while works. You could even do the thing that really doesn't work that well and do it once. And, you know, eventually that way would work, even though over time it wouldn't be recommended. But I digress. So we want uh, email to work. We want it to eventually be like a machine that gets bigger and better, like machine learning. It teaches itself to get better. How do you, how do you leverage the lessons of artificial intelligence, which teaches us to learn from what didn't work and use that to inform the strategies going forward. Well, to do that, you create email campaigns. Each email campaign has a different goal, a different purpose, a different target. And to do these campaigns right, they have to be designed in waves. 
segmented and customized by the audience segment. And the waves should be at least three times, but, but four times, all the way up to 15 times, should also be tested because we don't know what we don't know. You've got to test every different audience, every different offer, every different messaging will work differently. And even though you think you're sending something 15 times, they didn't see it all 15 times. So each wave should go out 15, you know, that right number of times. But also, when we send out an email, we really, when all is said and done, are guessing the combination of that subject line, that day, that messaging, that size, you know, all of those things. So since we're guessing anyway, we should test. We should do an A-B test. And so here we are sending at least three waves for every email. So I don't want to just, hey, I'm out here, I'd like to meet with you. But let me assume you're not going to see the first one. Let me assume you're not going to see the second one. Let me assume you're not going to do do anything until you see the third one at best. And since I really don't know if A, uh, A version or B is going to work better, let me do both. So that's at least six emails. So when thinking about emails, it's not the fastest solution. But over time, it would be something you could continue and it could become the foundation of a great way to market and sell yourself as long as you keep learning what's working, using the winning, if you have an A and a B, using the winning design or the winning wording. And you may learn things that you didn't believe were true, but you want to use data and not gut to make decisions about what to do next. Number five, what is the specific sales goal? Now, let me just break this down. I talk to so many people, so many salespeople. This is what I do. I go all over the world and I talk to people usually because I'm trying to help them understand pipeline management. That is to say, when you look at your pipeline, what does it tell you about what you've done, what you're trying to do, what you need to do, how can you diagnose it, how could you forecast off of it, all these insights. And you can, if you do it right, you know what you're looking at. It starts with, what is the specific goal? So almost every salesperson will say to me, well, my goal is, and they'll give me the, the answer in the form of revenue. Like, I want to produce you know, 10000 a month or 20000 a month or 100000 a month. But what they're not saying is, well, how many sales would that be? Is that one sale or is that two? And then they'll say, well, it could be, you know, it could be one, could be uh, uh, 20 little ones. Well, I know it could be. And what I'm saying is, let's decide what at least ideally we're looking for. Do we want it to be one? Do we want it to be one $100,000 deal? Or do we want five $20,000 deals? Or are we just looking for 10000 And if so, is that three deals that get to 10 or is that 10 that get to like what is the combination? So we need to understand that because if we don't know the number of closes. Keep in mind that every one of those closes, just before it was a close, was a contract. And just before that, it was a proposal. So how many proposals did I send? Well, I I sent out a proposal for every one of those and one. But how many losing proposals? Ones that I sent, I also sent a proposal to, but those didn't get a yes decision. So I still had to put in time producing those proposals. So I need to know how many proposals am I going to be writing? Because if I don't understand that I'm putting myself into a plan that will require, let's say, 12 hours of proposal writing a a week, 
and I don't allow for that in my time management, then I'm probably going to fail. On the other hand, if I can't really spend 12 hours writing proposals, then I need to adjust how busy I'm going to be, probably uh, is what, what you'll do if you run your own business, and that is exactly what you realize. You realize that writing the proposal gets in the way of making a phone call, so you end up doing that at night. That is up to you, how you balance your life, though. And so we need to understand what is that real number and what would it be ideally and what's repeatable. I get it that every so often it will be one big sale. And I also get it that every so often it's a bunch of little sales. But what if there's a combination or a portfolio? Let's understand that. Hold on for one minute. I've promised you short podcasts and here I am giving you a list of 10 and it's taking forever for me to get through this list and I don't want to speak faster. So I'd rather give you time to think about what I've given you. So let's take a break now and let's come back and tackle the rest of the list. Until next time, remember, I'm Steve Bookbinder, your sales coach. Please connect with me on LinkedIn. Check out our free playbooks and training and coaching offerings on dntraining.net and contact me ASAP if I can help you and your team get more sales or help you have a more successful sales career. Thank you for listening to Food for Thought. To get your free sales playbook, visit dmtraining.net forward slash podcast. And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of Steve's jokes and helpful resources. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.